The scripture reading this evening is a very familiar chapter, John 14. John chapter 14. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. It's on page 1146 in your Bibles. And the text would be John 14, verses 15 through 21, Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the words of our Lord as he spoke them to his disciples in the upper room. After he had celebrated the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, then Jesus speaks to them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these, greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do that. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken unto you while I am still with you. But when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world give I to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Arise, let us go from here. So far the reading of the Word of God, and I would like to also read from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 20. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that with the Father and the Son, He is equally eternal God, and second, that God's Spirit is also given to me, preparing me through a true faith to share in Christ and all his benefits, and he comforts me and will abide with me forever. So far the reading of the Word of God and the teaching of that Word in our confession. Before we open this truth, let's seek God's guidance in prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we look at the mighty working of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you will open our minds, our hearts. O Holy Spirit of God, grant us the anointing of your presence and of your power and of your strength, that we preach the word in weakness, but Lord, apply it in power. Bless us this day. Forgive our sins in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friends in Jesus Christ our Lord, so we are looking at the work of the Holy Spirit, the wonderful promise that Jesus gave of the Holy Spirit. He gave that promise to the disciples before he died on the cross, and he said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And he came to them again in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity, one with the Father and with the Son. The Holy Spirit is a real person. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Paul says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, forgiving each other, even as God and Christ has forgiven you. So the Holy Spirit is a person, a real person, just as the Father is and the Son is. Three persons in one 
divine being. God Almighty, our triune God. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Yet not three gods, but one God. It is a glorious truth, a mysterious truth, but it is absolutely true. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father, is a gift from the Father for Jesus' sake. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and He will send you another Helper who is the Spirit of Truth. And then Jesus says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Now there are two different Greek words for ask. The one is asking from one who is inferior to one one who is superior. And that's the asking when Jesus says, Ask and it shall be given, seek and you will find. Whatever you ask in me, I will do for you. That is a word that speaks of an inferior person, a lesser person, speaking to a greater person. But there's also the other word, ask. It's a different word in the Greek language, but the same in English. And that word is between equals. And when Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper, even the Spirit of Truth, that word ask is between equals. And in the New Testament, it is only used for Jesus' prayer to His Father. They are absolutely equals. The Father and the Son are one. One true God. And when Jesus says, I will ask the Father, He uses a word that speaks of asking of equals. It's a beautiful truth. Truth. It shows in a very interesting and subtle way that Jesus Christ is exactly what the Nicene Creed and the whole Bible says He is. As the Nicene Creed says, I believe in the, the, uh, His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who is God of God, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. And that word, to ask, between equals, shows that Jesus recognized that His Father and He were one. That's what Jesus says, of course, in John 10, when he speaks about himself as the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives his life for his people, for his sheep. He knows his sheep and calls them by name. And Jesus said, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And the Father and I are one. That is reflected also in that word, to ask, between equals. So Jesus is equal with His Father. And the Holy Spirit is within that circle as well. The Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son, one only true God. 
And so we read here that Jesus is getting his disciples ready for his crucifixion. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The world cannot understand this. The world will not, but you will. Because I live, you live also. And Jesus says that there's going to be a time when they will be filled with sorrow. And yet it's a sorrow as a mother who is about to get ready to a birth of a child. It is pain and travail. But when the child is born, she forgets the pain. For a new child is born into this world, and every mother here will recognize the truth of that statement of Jesus. And so Jesus is getting his disciples ready for that. And he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, I'm going to come to you. And he did in the person of the Holy Spirit. One only true God. So now let's look at the, at the uh, character of the Holy Spirit. The character of the Holy Spirit is, first of all, that He is Almighty God. And He is also called in this passage, the Spirit of Truth. That's a beautiful name for the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of Truth. He is the Spirit of who is the source of truth. He is the communicator of truth. He is the illuminator of truth. The Holy Spirit and truth are synonymous. The Spirit gave us the truth in His Word. For example, we read in the Bible that All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's given by the power of the Spirit. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, All Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. And that word God-breathed is theopneustos. Now, theos is the Greek word for God, like theology. And pneustos, P-N-E-U-S-T-O-S, is the same word from which we get pneumonia, which deals with breathing. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. That's why we sang, breathe on me, breath of God. So all Scripture is God-breathed. That's what Paul says in 2 Timothy. And then in 2 Peter 1.21, the Apostle Peter writes about Scripture and says, Holy men of God spake as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what the, what the Bible says, the Spirit says. The Spirit gives us His truth. That word is absolutely reliable. It is true truth. And the Bible also says the world cannot understand this. The world cannot understand this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, very interesting statement of the Apostle Paul there. 
where he says that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When I was pastor in Holland, we had a, a, a student who graduated from Hope College and went on to Oxford University, got his Ph.D. there. He was a delightful Christian young man. He, he, he just effused the love of Christ. And he got a position teaching philosophy at a university in the Midwest. And uh, he knew that he was not to teach Christianity, and he didn't. But a student came to him after class one day and asked him a very profound question about who we are, what man is. And what is the purpose of man? And are we just an intelligent animal? Or is there something more? And it was a one-on-one exchange between this this student and my friend whose name was Dewey. And Dewey said to him, We are more than an animal. Mankind are created in the image of God. God made us. Do you know that the next day the head of the department came to him and said, Dewey, you are fired. Get your office clean. You can pick up your paycheck and you're done. That's how the world thinks of Christianity. There's no room for it. There's an intolerance. Paul says the world, the natural man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly and foolishness to him. That's exactly as the head of the department Felt. It's foolishness. It's folly. It makes no sense that there's a true God. The worldly people, the natural person, they will not accept the virgin birth of Christ. They will not accept the bodily resurrection. And they say that is the teaching of the early church. It never happened. No, it is the truth of God. Paul goes on to say in that second, in that first Corinthians passage, says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person under, judges all things but is himself judged by no man. He who, has underst- he who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, and we have the mind of Christ. That mind of Christ is communicated to us by the Holy Spirit. 
It is the Holy Spirit within our spirits, in our mind, in our heart, that instructs us so that we may know that the Word of God is the true Word of God. We may know that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth, is the source of truth. He is also the communicator of truth. Jesus says in John 16, two chapters hence, He said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine, therefore I said He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. That's the Holy Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit communicates it to us. We may only know the truth of God from the Spirit. And then He also illuminates our mind. Because we cannot understand unless the Spirit gives us understanding and wisdom. And so that is why the Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. He's the source, the communicator, and the illuminator of truth. What a wonderful thing that is. Now look at the benefits of the Holy Spirit. The benefits of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called... And by the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 1, in 2 Corinthians 1, he is called the earnest of our inheritance. You know what an earnest is? If you buy a home, or even a car, you have to present a down payment. A down payment is called an earnest. It's earnest money. You may take possession of the house or the car if you pay the down payment with the promise that the rest is to come. That's the whole idea of an earnest money. It's a down payment with a promise that the rest is to come. Now the great inheritance that we have laid up for us is not here yet. That great inheritance is heaven itself. We sing of it in that great hymn, By the sea of crystal saints in glory stand, myriads in number drawn from every land. We heard the choir sing of the holy city this morning. That is our inheritance. But we're not possessors yet. The Holy Spirit whose presence is in our hearts is the down payment. It is an assurance that that inheritance is ours. It is more sure than a down payment we may give to the bank. Because we may not know for sure whether we will live until it's all paid off. We don't know that. We can get insurance for that. We don't know that. But when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, He is the earnest of our inheritance, 
And that is a guarantee that that inheritance is ours. And like we sang of Fanny Crosby's song, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, she sang that beautiful hymn, by, uh, Someday the Silver Cord Will Break. And I no more as now shall sing, but oh the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the King. That is a sure thing. The Holy Spirit's presence in our hearts is the earnest of that inheritance. It's a guarantee of that inheritance. Now on Thursday we're going to have the Lord's Supper. The Holy Spirit is very, very active in the Lord's Supper. We take that bread, and it is bread, only bread. It's ordinary bread. And we take the cup, and it is ordinary drink. And we eat the bread and drink the cup. But it is the Holy Spirit who dwells in Christ the head and in us as His members that makes the connection. It is the Holy Spirit that brings the truth that that bread is truly a communication of the body of Christ. And what we drink is truly a communication of the blood of Christ. There's a union there. There's a wonderful intimacy between the, the, the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, and us through the Holy Spirit. So the Lord's Supper is a beautiful example of the Holy Spirit working with us. So He is the earnest of our inheritance. Not only that, He is also the one who brings about a true union with Christ. A union with Christ. That is a wonderful truth too. That there is an intimacy between the living Christ and us, His people. There are various ways in which that truth is communicated by the Bible. The Apostle Paul uses some interesting illustrations to show it. One is that Christ is the head and we are the members of His body. How close is your head to your body? Well, I mean, your body couldn't exist without your head. Your head is the concentration of all the nerves and your body acts as your mind tells it to. There's an intimate connection between the mind and the body. And the Apostle Paul says Christ is the head and we are the members of His body. There's a wonderful intimacy between the two. And in the Lord's Supper we get that too. We eat that bread and it becomes part of us. It becomes part of us. It gives us strength. It gives us, it gives us His presence in us. The Lord Jesus is with us. There is an intimacy between Him and us. So that the Bible can say, we are bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. And it is through the Holy Spirit that that intimacy is realized. Do you experience that? 
Do you know the intimacy with your, with your Savior? I'll tell you, I am sure that when Ward went, on to, went under surgery this morning, I was there about 11, and he had already gone into surgery. I'm sure that he was praying. And I'm sure that he felt the truth of this beautiful word of Moses in Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is our dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. You feel that. You know that. You know the words of Jesus, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. Ask and it shall be given, seek and you will find. There's that wonderful intimacy between the Lord our God and us. That wonderful intimacy. And you children, it's for you too. I love that song we sang in the song service, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, right on my heart every word. There's that wonderful intimacy between Jesus and us. We may know Him and love Him, and we know Him through the Spirit. He unites us with Christ so that we are one with Him. So the union with Christ comes through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So the first benefit is that He's the earnest of our inheritance. Second, He is the one who brings about a union with Christ. And the third thing is that He works sanctification in us. Now, sanctification is a big word, but it means to be holy. The Bible says, Be ye holy as your Father in heaven is holy. The Holy Spirit leads us in sanctification. He takes the work of Christ and applies it to us so that we will live according to His commandments. That we love the Lord, that we come to church, that we sing His praises, that we read His Word. And that our lives begin to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like we sang in that beautiful hymn, Breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure, until my will is one with yours to do and to endure. That's what sanctification is. That our will is one with His. And that we begin to think His thoughts after Him. So the women will have a Bible study on Tuesday. Why is that important? Because it is the Holy Spirit who works through His Word to bring us closer and closer to our Father and to the Son, Jesus Christ. And on Thursday we'll have the Lord's Supper. There's the Holy Spirit again. And on Good Friday we will hear Jesus' seven words. There's the Spirit again conveying it to us. And then on Easter Sunday. Do you know how Jesus arose? He arose bodily. And Paul in Romans 1 verse 4 tells us that it is by the Spirit that He arose. The Spirit of God gave Him that new life. 
Listen as Paul says it. And we declare to you the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Holy Spirit is active all through our Christian life. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so wonderful to sing, Dwell in me, O blessed Spirit, how I need thy help divine. In the way of life eternal, keep, O keep, this heart of mine. And everyone said, Amen. Lord, bless this word unto our hearts tonight. Thank you, O Holy Spirit, that you are the Lord and giver of life, proceeding from the Father and the Son. O Holy Spirit, dwell within us. Conform us more and more to our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.